So, on the subject of hospitality, I love hospitality. I absolutely love it. I love receiving it. I love showing it. Um, I think it's great to meet up with people during the week, to go out for a coffee, go out for a walk. But honestly, I think for me, there is nothing better than inviting someone into your personal space, into your own home, and treating them as an honored guest and a member of the family. And listen, when I do invite you to my home, which if you stick around long enough, that will happen, um, you wouldn't expect to be sat in the hall, would you? You wouldn't expect me to, to just welcome you into my house and say, right, you stay there. I'm going, I'm going through to the kitchen. I'm going to go and warm myself up by the fire. But you, you just stay there. I mean, it's a very, it's a very lovely hall. My wife, Laura, is a, is a woman of style. Um, it's painted a nice color. Uh, there's, there's a lovely side table. Uh, there's some quite cool lampshades that the builder hated fitting because they're really awkward, which is why I didn't even attempt it myself. Um, yeah, cool lampshades. The, he was also not a fan of fitting our very nice flooring. Uh, it was like a herringbone laminate thing. Looks very pleasing. Um, and even though it's quite a nice place to be, and certainly an improvement on being left sat on my driveway, uh, it's not somewhere you would want to stay. Uh, if you spent much time there, you would very quickly see uh, that as nice as it is, it is a place where you come to take off your dirty shoes and your wet coat before stepping into the rest of the house. You know, as believers, we talk a lot about uh, confession and repentance and the amazing forgiveness that God grants us through Christ. We preach on it. We study it. Uh, we, we sing songs about it. Uh, and it really is amazing. God's forgiveness is absolutely incredible. Um, and it's by God's forgiveness and his grace alone that we are delivered from the grip of sin and death into God's kingdom. Hallelujah, right? But sometimes I think we're in danger of forgetting that forgiveness is not the end of our salvation. It's the starting point, not the destination. Scripture talks about our salvation in three different tenses. It says we are saved. You know, there is a sense in which God has already saved every Christian in this room. You know, in this sense, salvation is, a, is equated with the forgiveness of sins. As in, the moment we accepted Christ and cast our sin to the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, he was talking about us. We were saved and secured by his blood. Scripture also talks about us being saved. In Philippians, Paul tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And, you know, this, this, in this sense, God is still saving us each and every day. You know, in this sense, salvation is equated with the Christian's growth and perseverance. Scripture also talks about us being, that we will be saved you know, there is a sense in which salvation is a future event. You know, in this sense, salvation is equated with the second coming of Christ. On judgment day, when judgment for our sin is rightly leveled at us, we will be found innocent because Christ has already paid the cost for our transgressions. Yes, you are right to hallelujah. Repentance and forgiveness then. Is only the hallway through which we enter the house of God's salvation. 
Praise God. The invitation of the gospel is not simply to come in repentance and receive forgiveness, not simply to step out of the cold and into the shelter of the hallway. But John 3.16 tells us that whoever believes in him, that being Jesus, would not perish but have everlasting life. John John tells us that I have come that they, that being us, may have life and have it to the full. The forgiveness of God is glorious. But it's only the beginning of our life in him. He cleanses us of our sin, not, not just so that we can hang out with the dirty shoes in the hallway, but so that he can throw his arms around us and embrace us, leading us further into his house, deeper into the riches that are ours in Christ Jesus. God's forgiveness is the final nail in the coffin of sin and death's power. But for those he has called to salvation, it is the starting pistol for a life of sanctification. Let's not languish in the hallway whilst God is calling us to come further up and further in. Jesus didn't simply die to save us from death, but to enter into the fullness of life. This is encouraging, right? Not just to divert the righteous wrath of God that we had earned by our sin, but to call us into relationship with him that we might know the immeasurable height and depth of his love. So that we can, by faith, lay hold of what Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden before the fall. See, they had this beautiful relationship with God. You know, God was so close they, it was, their relationship was so open, so beautiful. God walked with them daily. He spoke to them openly, and they lived in the fullness of his presence. The Bible talks about them walking in the cool of the day with God. Can you imagine? They were free from shame, free from guilt. They had no reason to hide until they made a stupid mistake. Before the fall, Adam and Eve lived in his glory and favor, in the beauty of the garden, being perfectly loved and fully known by their creator God. In Christ, brothers and sisters, we can lay hold of even more than Adam and Eve lost, because unlike Adam and Eve, we have Christ in us. How good, how wonderful. Imagine if we truly grasped that truth. In Philippians 3.10 to 12, Paul declares, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Christ has taken hold of you. To settle for a faith that ends simply in the forgiveness of our sins falls as short as if I was to invite you over for dinner and leave you in the hall with the beanbag that my dog sleeps on, that's covered in hair, that smells a little bit iffy, Let's not settle for hallway Christianity. Let's not be submarine Christians who surface once a week to praise God and then disappear below radar. 
See, in Exodus, we see how God redeemed his people from slavery and oppression in Egypt. But his plans for them did not stop there. I've been reading Joshua a lot in my personal devotions recently, and I just love this book. It's so good, and I find the whole story is such an encouragement to press deeper into God and the lavishness. It opens up the lavishness and the scale of his desires for us. And as I've read about how the Lord empowered a nation of former slaves to conquer the promised land, it reminded me that Christian faith is not simply about what we've been saved from, but what we have been saved to. God didn't simply save the children of Israel from slavery, but he refined them in the wilderness and brought them into their inheritance. There are times of wilderness. I cannot lie. The Bible promises them. Okay? I'm, not I'm not up here talking some prosperity gospel nonsense. I'm not saying, oh, if you just trust Jesus, then everything in your life is going to go great. It won't. God has promised us that we will have difficulties. There will be troubles in this life. There will be sickness. There will be pain. There will be tears, but one day they will be no more. And as it was for the children of Israel, so it is for us. Salvation is more than just a moment where we're transported from death to life, although it is that, and hallelujah. It is a call to know God. But don't confuse knowing God with simply knowledge of God. You know, you could read every book you can lay your hands on. You could know and be able to quote every single chapter and verse of the Bible. You could speak eloquently on matters of faith, but without stepping into relationship with God, without pursuing that deeper calling, all you have is knowledge. And knowledge without relationship is just vanity. <laughs> But what does it mean then to move into the house? How do I get out of the hallway and into his presence? How do I enjoy the fullness of my salvation, of God's call and blessing for me on this side of eternity? Well, if I may switch uh, momentarily to a different metaphor. Preachers are, are awful for that, switching between metaphors. But I'm, I'm, I'm begging your indulgence here. Imagine our life of faith and discipleship as a bird. Let's say, let's say an eagle. John Bunyan was a Puritan writer and preacher who once wrote the following poem. And I love this poem. <clears throat> Run and work the law demands, yet gives me neither feet nor hands. Far greater news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. How beautiful. Run and work the law demands but gives me neither feet nor hands. Far greater news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. Whew. John Bunyan giving us wings before Red Bull. Eh? You know, just as an eagle is made to fly and is equipped with the wings to do it, we as new creations 
are made and equipped for flourishing in a life of faith and deepening relationship with God. You know, at just seven weeks old, a baby eagle will stand at the edge of its nest, fully extend its wings, allowing the thermal wings to build tension, lifting its body weight, beginning to lift its body weight. And at that point, they step forward for the first time trusting in their instincts that rather than fall to the ground, they will soar. The eagle knows what it's made for. It follows the calling of its instincts. Do you know what you are made for? We too are built for more than the safety of the nest. We also have wings to fly. Wings that we must fully extend. Wings that must be filled, not with thermal winds, but the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. We too must step forward and trust that we will not fall to the ground, but soar in faith. But what are the wings, inverted commas, of our Christian faith? How do we move into the fullness of our salvation? Well, one wing is the commands that Jesus gave us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, to love your neighbor as yourself. And in fact, Jesus later elevates this second command to love one another as I have loved you, which is to take it to a whole new level. It's, we are no, no longer bound by our own standards of love for ourselves, but the love of Christ. But one wing's not enough. One wing, you will just spiral down till you hit the ground, there's another wing, okay? And the other is the Great Commission. So we have the Great Commands and the Great Commission. The Great Commission of Jesus in Matthew 28, which says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I love this bit, and surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's engage. Let's choose today. Let's choose today to engage with both the commands and the commission of God. Let's open our wings and soar as we were designed to do. Trusting in the power of God and the promises that we are made for a life in abundance. That as we lay hold of Christ, he lays hold of us. As we step out of the nest, the breath of God will lift us. We are not called to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. So as we fly, or to go back to my earlier metaphor, as we move from the hallway of salvation into the house of God, the process of sanctification will not only find us flourishing where it matters, but it will also shape our souls for heaven. Imagine being aware of that in our struggles, in our joys, in our growth, in our sanctification. God's hand is in all of these things. See, in realizing this, we can endure and be thankful even in our greatest trials. 
which sounds crazy because it is in our own strength. We cannot, <laughs> but in him, we can. We can endure and be thankful even in our greatest trials, knowing that they will be fully redeemed, knowing that even the bitterest of circumstances we face today will one day turn sweet in the light of God's sovereignty. Let's not wait for heaven to fully engage in our salvation, people. In Christ, we are saved, yes. But as a result, we are also adopted, sharing in his inheritance, filled with his Holy Spirit and empowered to do all the things he did and more because he lives within us. This is not my thoughts. This is not my musings. This is scripture. Christ says, you will do everything I've done and more. We don't have to wait till we die and stand before him for that to be true. Let's get out of the hallway and into the house. Take off your shoes, take off your coat. Those are made for outside. Leave your fears, your burdens, your earthly priorities, your riches and pains, your favorite sin at the door and boldly step forward into the fullness of God's calling on your life. All of those things are made for outside. You are in the house of God. Come in and warm yourself at the fireplace of his presence. Bathe in the light of his love and find comfort and joy in his presence today. Make today the day you decide to know and fully be known by the Lord and master of all creation. Because he has welcomed you into his house, not as a guest, not even as an honored guest, but as a son and daughter. Sit at his table and feast on the banquet of righteousness he has lovingly prepared for you. And as you eat, be sustained and grow in strength as you allow his righteousness to satisfy you and become part of your body. Feast on his word. It is our gift from God. It is his voice from eternity to us. Enjoy peace in, in his garden. In the green pastures, delight in its beauty as he restores your soul. Psalm 23. Find deep and full rest in him as you pass through the many rooms of his house, being enriched and blessed and stretched and filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, to be saved is not a simple matter of confession and repentance, although that is a crucial part of it. But that's not all of it. Being saved is an opportunity to begin living, to live in the joyful, wonderful presence of God to engage in the work of sanctification, to know and be known by our creator, and to be transformed in the image of his son until the day comes when heaven and earth as we know it will pass away and be remade. Where we will enter into the fullness of our eternal inheritance that comes through Christ Jesus. So choose today to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, 
to love your neighbor as yourself, to love one another as Christ loves us, to go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them about our wonderful Savior and the fullness of salvation. And so, as we bring this time to a close, I just want to offer you an opportunity to spread your wings this morning. We have opportunities this morning to love others as Christ loves them. We have opportunities this morning to go and share the gospel, to make disciples of all nations. We've got one team being led by Sarah who's going to take, take people out and just go some, for some straight up evangelism. We're going to hand out flyers, talk to people. If that's something you feel like you are being called to, to pursue this morning, then be brave. Step out of the nest. Trust that God has got you. One, one of the other teams this morning is going to be going out picking up litter. We've got, we've got litter pickers, bin bags, high vises. We're just going to go out, pick up litter. We are not necessarily looking to start conversations, but if they come and pray that they do, and people ask you, why are you, why are Freedom Church picking up litter? Then, then tell them. It's because we want to love this city the way we believe God loves us. And that means picking up all the rubbish and taking it away because that's what Christ did for me. You don't have to use those words. <laughs> you can just compliment someone and have a nice conversation. But let's get out today, step out of the nest and soar. We've also got an opportunity to, to go and prayer walk around the city walls and bless our city, even in ways they don't recognize. But let's be honest, what greater blessing have we to give than to bring this city before God? Let's bring every person, every building, every business before the Father. And if, if none of that is something that you feel equipped to do, you, you, you're not ready to do that, then stay here. <laughs> That's okay. Let's stay. Let's have fellowship. Pray for the guys that have gone out. But people, we were saved for more than meetings. We were saved for more than being in the club. We were saved to be the body of Christ, to be his hands and his feet. So I'm going to pray. And then our, our, our time here is officially at an end, but please do get involved. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fullness of our salvation. Lord, that, that we have been saved for a purpose. That's one of the lines we sung this morning. Anointed and chosen and called. Lord, that, that we too, through you, are a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Lord, we are going to choose to trust you. Lord, push us from the safety of the nest. Lord, remind us that we are worthy of more than just the hallway.
Lord God, with a smile on my face, I say thank you. You are good. Your mercy endures forever. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit and help us to love in a way that is supernatural. Lord, help us to serve this city for you. Lord, help us to share your gospel without fear. Thank you that you have so much for us. You are good. Amen.